Gaze ready where you are, family. I'm Henrik, and I'm in the most beautiful city in the whole wide world, Cape Town. Also the gayest city, probably in Africa, <laughs> that we know of. Well, the open city. I think Pretoria is very gay too, but here it seems everybody is out and proud. So with me I have Matthew Jepta, who is a blogger and a student and a, uh, an activist in some ways, are you? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you found out your identity and... and Right. So I basically am from sort of a very liberal side and I also have this very conservative dad's a pastor, grandfather in a mega church up in Joburg, Cape Town. So obviously my gayness was always this. It was something that I couldn't fully comprehend because I knew it was it was spiritually hindering me, but I was also very accepted on, on the one side of the family. So um you know, I just, I descend, I sort of found that balance between spirituality and sexuality all my life. I was trying to find that all-encompassing balance. Um, it was a bit tough, but I think that got you today, you know, liberated, queer. It's a long narrative, so okay. keep it so, short. <laughs> but, I mean, there is still, uh, if, you, if, you see, if we talk about homophobia, it's surely the church drives a lot of that. Oh, yes. Do you agree? Mm, absolutely. I think it's... It's it's systemic ignorance. I always say that, you know, you can't sometimes blame someone if it's all that they know. You can unlearn, you can help them unlearn, because in their mind, they're convicted in what they believe in. My identity is, is my conviction. You know, I, I know who I am, what I embody, and, and I feel that in secular faith and religion, these people really feel like they know what is going on. And I told my dad also, what I always do with gayness, very interesting, is I I never say it's not a sin. I always try and make him see he's doing in my potential sin, if, if that is hypothetically the case, you know, being born out of wedlock. I always find other biblical fallacies to sort of point the finger back at the person that's pointing it at me. Because a lot of the time, you know, that, that's, what, that's what you, mm. that's what I've learned to do with. It's all silly arbitrary, but I think it's nice to make people see their role in your, you know, sort of your problem, demon that way. They okay. see, yeah. So, so coming out to the parents must have been a difficult process. No, I, I don't ever, I don't, a funny story, I never ever came out actually. I walked in with a partner about three and a half years ago and I said to them, I'm not going to go into the whole gay debacle and gay narrative because you guys speculated all my life. This is my man respecting. You know, because we, we, our parents worry about us being a morphe when we're small and being queer. And they speak it negatively into our life. But then they're all shocked when we liberated queer bodies. And that's what I couldn't understand. I was like, why is dad worried about me being gay when I'm three, four years old? Because what about my personality is inferring anything about my sexual preference? I might like pink. I might like car, but we know that that does not make you gay. You know, your preferences, your likes have nothing to do with your sexual interests and preferences. And people assimilate the two because we're socially conditioned to, you know, infer. So we see someone with a bit of strut in the street, they must be gay. Mm. It says nothing about their, sec their sexual preference, but it says everything about their person and their, 
you know, the way that they express themselves. Doesn't it say something about the fear of the person observing that about mm -hmm. themselves? Yeah, I, th I think a lot of the time, I was, I was saying that, you know, we as, as, as gay bodies sometimes are very ignorant. Because we walk in the, sh in the, in the street, we're like, she's a queen. She must be gay, based off aesthetic. But we don't know them. We, we treat them with that same maliciousness that our cisgender people are treating us with sometimes. You know, we, we fall into that same ignorant bubble. And again, it's, an, it's a subliminal, unintentional ignorance, you know. Mm. It's because we're conditioned as well. So that's where I've always tried to mediate between trying to, you know, in terms of advocacy, it's very important. But what is the balance, you know, because I want to live my life without having to advocate, I'm happy who I, who I am. You are not happy with who I am. So how do we sort of find that, that middle ground and mediate around that sometimes, you know? It's a lot of the times what I try and do, and that's tacking the own ignorances within our queer community as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, the I, most, the most um, what do you call it, judgmental people could be just our own community. Absolutely. That, that's what I've come to know, because I always say it's like sometimes you walk into a gay safe space and you feel so uncomfortable and you're a gay body and you're like why do I feel like this mm. I'm amongst people who share in the same sort of identity in the same bracket but I feel so ostracized at the same time mm. so you know it's an all-encompassing issue I think it's it's not a straight issue or gay issue it's a mentality one that needs to be addressed so you use the word queer quite a bit. Mm -hmm. How comfortable are you with that word? or how, What is the language we need to use? Because some people would be so uncomfortable using that word. Look for me, why is queer all-encompassing? I don't want to walk and assume that you're gay, you're lesbian, you're trans, you're sexual. Because the queer, the LGBTQIA plus community is so vague, I don't want to just assume off the bat what you are or what you identify as. So... For me, queer is just all-encompassing. I'm not boxing you. I'm, I'm, you're forming part of this big other cluster that doesn't necessarily conform to the cishet sort of mold. I think that's that's why I do it. So do, I we, do we need labels? Do we need words like that? I do. I, I do think we do. I, sometimes, you know, my prof always speaks about... Um, Sean Full, you know, he speaks about spectacular politics. He says we're in the era now where people are so sensitive about their identity that they try and find these specifics, you know, to fit in. And, and even though it's great to have this all, we need labels so we can identify certain ignorances, stigmas, and also identify certain, just so we can dissect and talk about certain topics. But... You know, within a label, you're stigmatizing yourself within that gay, within that queer space as well, you know. Mm. And then you'll find that sometimes me as a gay body and my transgender friends might have arguments about who's the more queer, who is, who is the more gay, who is the more, you know. So it, it, it can become a bit problematic, but I think that the all-encompassing, when you're talking holistically about the gay community, you know, you don't you you want to use the word queer because it encompasses everyone, both trans, both cis, not cis, but like queer. Every, everyone, well, there are some queer cis, cis you know? people too. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's a bit. 
Just like my son, I mean, uh, he's got a gay, a, a gay father, a bisexual mother, and he's heterosexual as they come. I said to him, you're not really heterosexual, you're queer, because you come from a very queer background. He's, he's not comfortable with that, but what can you do? I think it's, it's a bit interesting. I think we, we as people today, and I, and I write a lot about how, you know, we need to take it a step back. I think that, that it starts with your identity, really. It, it starts with you. And, I was saying to someone who was speaking about African, about African identity, and just to make that, just to assimilate the two, you know, it's that we know as Africans, as queer bodies, we know who we are. It's the outer sphere that doesn't necessarily get us and who infringed on our liberty. And for us to go, you know, and advocate, we need to do it in a manner where we're not, we're not playing say play victim but we're not you know we're not coming with this sad soft story we were liberated we know who we are we know what we want we're happy being it's about using using our experience to to educate you know and to have people look past sexuality as a as just this the spectrum it's 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 more than just a spectrum it's it's an embodiment and i think if we it really starts at home you know, it starts at, at in your adolescence, it's the things you say to your three and four year old kid that's going to have an effect on them when they're older, you know. Little things like don't act like a sissy, don't act like a wussy, you know, why... The boys don't cry. The boys don't cry, exactly. Um, don't you want a car? Why you want a doll? We as the adults need to unlearn those ignorances because they grow up and they become a byproduct of that very parent who raised them. And I think if I look at a big stress and big anxiety trigger for me in, in, in primary school, pre-primary school, was being called the word Muffy when I had no idea what it entailed. I was not, sexually I could not involve myself obviously at that age with anyone. So I never, I, I knew I was a Muffy solely because of the way, my attire and the way that I presented myself. Not because of my sexual preference, but there were kids who were my age who were calling me this and it must have come from home. There was no other place that I could have seen it. You know, it starts at home, I think. Hmm. And that's why if our mentalities are fixed and we as the, we as the, as, as you said, the young adults, the adults can teach these kids and they will not grow up to be that ignorant, you know. So once you're 20, 21, the damage has already been done. Nine times out of ten. Okay, so ready with your family. I'm Hendrik here in Cape Town, and I've got the most intelligent, beautiful man in front of me, Matthew Jepter, who is talking about queer bodies and how do we how do we grow up and and how we perceive ourselves. So, you're a young man, very educated. What is it like in your community uh, where you are? Because I think every community has its kind of own stigmas and, and ways of doing things. I mean, if you look at the movie uh, In Neba that caused yes. such an uproar, you know. Um, how is it in your community, generally? So, look, um, again, the word Morphe, I always bring it back to the word Morphe, because Morphe is such a fascinating word for me. It's, it, it's something I remember hearing a lot, especially within the coloured community, you know. Um, Morphe, you hear it everywhere. And... That, that, a lot of the times I found that, especially within the colored community, we as, as gay bodies specifically are eroticized so much by the oppressor. 
But the very person that's being demeaning and insulting is the same person that, you know, is actually being enticed by us and I. And I feel like a lot of the time it's there, there's more gayness than I, one would actually presume it in my community. But I think it's, it's not as accepted because, again, of the household, the way the people are conditioned, it's, it's wrong. You know, and we were speaking about it the other day, is, is gayness, what makes you gay? Is it the act? Is it the embodiment? If you're a man and you sleep, engage in intercourse with another man, does that make you gay or is it the embodiment? And I think that these, these are, again, the type of things that we need to dissect within queer theory and within queer study because, you know, we think, okay, cool, they're on the DL, they're closets, but they're gay. Some men believe that if I have sexual relations with a man, it doesn't make me queer. It's not the act itself. Um, so, again, very different opinions on what it's like to be queer. It all depends on the individual and the interpretation of it. Um, but, I mean, if you look within the colored community also, prison sex. It's a very fascinating thing that we also dissect a lot. It's... Look at these men in these in these confined spaces who stake claim for them sleeping with other men is not a it's not a, a sexual thing a queer thing it's a power it's a power thing you know it's it's exerting your dominance and um, it's very interesting for me it's, it's very complex so you blog about these sort of issues yeah. how did you get into that. Well, I've always loved writing. I have a very um, very skewed opinion always about a lot of things. So I thought, let me get them down on paper. Um, because, you know, it might be a, an opinion of a minority, but you can assimilate thoughts. People will read it, people will agree with you, and you'll realize that there's actually, there is a, an holistic, you know, perspective to the way that we see things. Um, I just, I just love, I love writing. I feel that Whenever I have emotional tethers or things that I need to get off my chest and I can't really reason with it or verbally get it out, I tend to just write it down. Because um, I think as artists, you have that agency and that license to put your thoughts down on paper, even though it might be deemed as a bit controversial. Or And I, for me, it's always about, I always want to accommodate for everyone in this space, you know. First and foremost, um, me and my, my queer sort of, my queer little mesh, but like everyone, it's about it's about creating the narrative that we as as everyone in the LGBTQI community can sit and reach some sort of consensus where we're not stepping on anyone's toes, where no one is gayer than the other, no one's struggle is more valid than the other because it's 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 been a long systemic one, and I think that you know there are there's so many good gay advocacies around um, but sometimes that same st negative stereotype that people see us see us as we're often part and parcel of the problem we create that very logical stereotype as well sometimes so what are some of the, 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 the issues you address in, in, in the writing okay I speak predominantly about um, religion how that factors in to being brought up in a colored household being gay, loving God, how do you find the balance, you know, because you're infringing, but you're living a life of you and you don't see your sins being a sin. And that, 
That's what I could always never understand. You know, I could always point out 101 different sins that my dad was committing or that my granny was committing. And I could never always try and corroborate claims. I'd be like, see what you're doing wrong. See what you're doing wrong. This is what I'm doing wrong. But what I'm doing wrong is not infringing on anyone else but me. Mm. You know, what you're doing wrong, if you're putting a gun to someone's head, you're bringing someone into this world out of wedlock. You're also going against God's the grapevine that God has instated, but it's fine because you're born again, you're saved, you know. So it was a bit messy. Um, I, I speak about that in perspective, and I think that I've gotten to that point where I'm I'm very spiritual. I do believe that, you know, they, you know, for every there has there's something something at at the at the premise at the at the beginning of all of this, you know, and. We don't know what that is, but to live in a, live a life where you're going to infringe on people's liberties for something that is really a faith is speculation at the end of the day. You know, it's not, it's not, you'll know whether it's fact or not the day that you're no longer here. And to go and impose on people that are currently here, and I always told my dad, you know, if you're attacking a gay body who doesn't believe in God, you're attacking the person mm. at heart, at face value. Because who is God to the non-believer? And that is what I was always trying to get out to him. I said, I understand your sentiments. You're worried about me. But people who don't believe in God are not worried at all. And and that's where I said, you need to sort of channel that. And it's a lot what I speak about in the Morphe in the Khalid community, how these same men who would call you Morphe would grope your ass in public or in private, rather. You know, um, I always just speak about but that as well, so how it's very interesting going up because you feel it's a queer body, especially when you're young, you feel very violated because yeah, I'm young, I'm going through a lot of sexual conflict, you know, but I can't tell mom and dad about this, so I'm doing this in secrecy. And then I meet a man when you when I'm 15, hypothetically speaking, for me, reality of the matter, and you could be abused, whether it's emotional abuse, little traits of abuse and because you don't have that safe space they are your safe space but they also they also sort of manipulate you a lot because they know you're confused and that's why i've always urged my mom with the siblings that i've growing up now i said speak to them about sexuality because especially in the world that we live in today you know there are men there are predators out there who who know we are young and they know that 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 sexuality is something that we're still trying to figure out, especially in our in our adolescence, in our teenage years, and they will take advantage of that, you know. And and I think open door policy is the best. We can we can preach our our um, heretics and we can talk about our duality, but we need to protect first and foremost the lives of of our kids and our, our fellow queer bodies, you know. Um, and that was a big, big problem for me. If I wish I had that, that safe space. I wish you'd go to mom and say, you know, this is my partner at the age of 16, like cis kids do. Because then if there were any problems, I mean, to be able to be addressed in a safe space. And a parent can guide you because they exactly. have the information and the knowledge of how to help the child to grow and develop emotionally as well. So... So, so do you think that is that is changing, or is it still a, a big problem within our communities? Very interesting. It's it's changing. It is changing a lot. I would say it's changing. I look, I look, especially look. Me and my dad have conversations about it. He, 
He said something to me that was very profound um, the other day. He said that, you know, as a dad, I would attend your wedding because it is my fatherly duty to be at my child's wedding, irrespective of whether they're gay, whatever. As a pastor, I will not condone what you're doing because it goes against doctrine, it goes against my secular beliefs. And I said to him, but that is spot on. You know, I'm not asking you to, to, to give your soul for my sexuality, but understand that if I don't believe in God, I, just, I really don't care other than to want to be loved and respected by the person who brought me into this world. So I think he, his perspective has changed a lot. Um, my mom also, she's always been, the mother's very different in dealing with queer identity. I, I, I speak on behalf of my own. But I think moms have that intuitive sixth sense and they just know when their kids are going through through things. I mean, it was so funny because when me and my dad had given me, um, he's one of these tablets, he's Apple tablets. And I got home and my mom and mine, the notifications had somehow flipped, switched on our two devices. So I was, she was getting all of my grinder notifications, <laughs> all of these texts from men. She was getting on her tablet and I was getting all of her nonsense in mine. So secrets were a bit um, exposed a little bit there. And I think that's when we realized we see um, different demons, but they're all chilling in the same closet, I suppose. So every, every family has their own demons. Yeah. That is Matthew Jack. I'm talking about. That is Matthew Jepta talking to us here on Gay Radio. We are family. Matthew is going to start blogging for us. So you'll be reading some of his articles on our website quite soon. So keep your eye open for that. I'm Andrew for Gay Radio where you are.